This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Happy Monday. It's a new week. And thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we appreciate you. Yo, guess what? Oh, what? So... After we had Truity, if you're not familiar, it was um, a company that did personality tests to tell you how crappy of a person you were, basically. Yeah, your toxic traits. Um, I saw it all over the internet this weekend. Everyone was taking Truity tests. Whoa, so they went viral? Did we make them viral? I have no clue if it was us, (laughs) but I think it was. We deserve some sponsor money. Everyone I knew was doing this test. And who knew I knew a lot of Karens? I'm just saying, a lot <laughs> really? of Karens came out of the, that test. Um, but yeah, I saw it everywhere. I was like, what is happening? Is this, was it like building up steam by itself? Or was it the let's go there, you know, staple that made Viral it? effects? Uh, yeah, a moment. You know, it's a perfect <laughs> storm when you come on let's go there. Exactly. Well, you can listen to that episode, by the way, if you're not sure what we're talking about. This toxic traits test we took from Truity. Uh, just go to the Odyssey app where podcasts are available. Search let's go there if you don't know that we have a podcast. Yep, yeah. Uh, and we have a lot coming up on the show. Speaking of toxic, how to deal with a boss that gaslights you. Cuomo is unfortunately inspiring that one. That's at 325 p.m. Pacific, 625 p.m. Eastern. Plus, the celebrity that refuses to give any of his money to take care of his parents. And is that wrong? That's in the tea in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The U.S. Census Bureau announced that its Household Pulse Survey is now asking respondents their sexual orientation and gender identity in addition to their sex. And this marks the first time the Bureau has asked these types of questions, although the census has counted same-sex households. The Bureau is considering adding questions about sexual orientation and gender identity a few years ago, but ultimately didn't do it. And LGBTQ plus activists have been asking and advocating for inclusion of such questions. So the distribution of these questionnaires will begin July 21st. And so I guess they're already out. I'm losing track of time and is expected to continue through October 11th. Now, near Governor Andrew Cuomo's top aide, Melissa DeRosa, resigned late Sunday, less than a week after the release of a report from the state attorney general that found Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. In this statement obtained by CNN, she wrote, It has been the greatest honor of my life to serve the people of New York for the past 10 years. New Yorkers' resilience, strength, and optimism through the most difficult times has inspired me every day. 
And speaking of all that drama, Speaker of the New York State Assembly, Carl Heasty, shared his thoughts on Governor Cuomo as well. The governor has clearly lost the confidence of the majority members of the New York State Assembly. The Attorney General's report lays out in painful detail the many instances and ways in which he reportedly harassed and created a hostile work environment for the employees of the executive chamber and others he came in contact with. I'm heartbroken. Let me be clear, no one should have to endure the type of behavior detailed in the Attorney General's report. And we'll be talking more about who could replace Cuomo in 30 minutes on Let's Go There. That was some What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. So, Quentin Karen. Oh, Carantino. <laughs> a lot of Karens in your life. What's on your mind? Quentin Tarantino really knows how to hold a grudge. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Let's dive into this. The director just revealed that he made a good, that he made good on a promise he made to spite his mother when he was just 12 and vowed, quote, she never see one penny uh, from his success when he grew up. Um, here is him, like, basically talking about this on a new podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, girl, it's a little intense. Here you go. In the middle of her little tirade, you know, she said, Oh, and by the way, this little writing career, huh. all right, with the finger quotes, all right, this little writing career that you're doing, that is over. Oh, my God. Uh, and no, she just meant don't do it on class all right you know uh, um when you're supposed to be doing something else and when she said that to me in that sarcastic way i was in my head and i go okay lady <laughs> when i become a successful writer you will never see penny one <laughs> from my success there'll be no house for you <laughs> yeah. there's no uh, no vacation for you no elvis cadillac for mommy you get nothing because you said that. <laughs> and did you did you stick to that? Yeah, yeah. I helped her out of the jam with the IRS, but no house, no, <laughs> no, no house. No I mean, no. Uh, he holds a grudge, and apparently, she has not gotten any of his money. Do you think he's right? Do you think he's wrong? Oh, I think that you know, it's obviously it's twelve years old. Can you really blame a? I don't think he's Jewish, but a mom, I was going to say, because, you know, we get that, like, you're pursuing your arts, you should be a dentist or a lawyer. Like, that's the thing. But that's another generation, right? Yeah, like, but at she, a certain did it, point, she did it to herself. <laughs> she had no clue that he was going to hold a grudge for so long. You know, I don't no. agree with Quentin Tarantino much or really about anything, to be honest, because I really don't like the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could understand where he's coming from in the sense of, like, you know, if they don't want to support you in any ways, why do they get to benefit off of you? Because it seems like they only want to benefit off you because of your success. And, like, she kind of, what if she destroyed his confidence so much because she was being so awful to him that he never became the Quentin Tarantino that we know we now? We would not have Pulp Fiction. You would, you know, pick out the the one movie that's so racist. Is that? Oh, sh- it says I, the N word every five seconds for no is, reason. Okay, you know, Samuel right. Jackson is great. Isn't it Samuel film. Jackson the one that says it? But it was Quentin that wrote it. So many people are saying. Well, this it is a whole other thing we get to talk about because that. All right, yeah, I. He's I get to look back Quentin at that. Knows, Thank you. You, for, you do get to look back at that. I don't even know anyway, if I want to anymore. I understand why he may be holding a grudge. I get it. I do. I'm happy you connect with him on some level. Only that. Literally that. Because you can really hurt a child's feelings. Oh, totally. In that way. You could ruin someone's confidence like, and yeah. put them in the gutter. Yeah, that's your tea report, though. Let us know what your thoughts are. Would you give your mama some money?
I don't know if I would. Let's be a better, better parents. Yeah, honestly. Be That's a lesson. Parents. That's it. That's your tea report. I got more next hour. Next up, the long-awaited climate report is out. Why the UN says it's code red for humanity. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A climate report that hasn't come out since 2013 just came out, and we all know a lot has changed since then. And the UN basically is saying that we are in unprecedented territory. And this one really got me going, and I think everyone else. It's code red for humanity. We're in some sort of weird movie right now. Environmental reporter Brady Dennis from The Washington Post joins us now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, that's some pretty intense statements right there that could scare a lot of people. Can you explain what they mean? Code red for humanity. <laughs> well, in fairness, that was the um, that that was the U the head of the UN. So so uh, the scientists themselves were were a little less uh, you know uh, alarmed, but the, you know uh, their findings are no less alarming. I guess I'd say. I mean, the main takeaway from from this. Huge report today is is just a detailing of all the ways we've sort of changed the planet in the last 50 years, you know, and, and um, it's getting warmer and the seas are rising and uh, ice is melting and all these things uh, that we know are happening. Uh, we just have to look around this summer to a lot of the extreme weather that we're seeing. Um, and really the message from the report today is like this is going to continue and this is going to get worse um, unless, you know, we as a world decide we're going to cut our greenhouse gas emissions and cut them pretty, pretty sharply and pretty quickly um, that we can expect more of these impacts to keep happening. Realistically, how bad is it? I mean, it depends on your definition of bad. I mean, you can look at sort of the wildfires as one example of, 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 of something that we're helping to make more intense and something that we can expect more of in the years ahead. You know, we can expect more flooding, more intense hurricanes, all these sort of impacts that, uh, you know, these scientists today have said are only going to get worse, you know, unless we take action to just slow the rate of change around the world. So uh, bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, what seems bad today might seem more normal years from now, unless we um, unless we make some pretty major changes. That's that's the message that I'm taking away from this report today. Yeah, it seems like when you're living in it, you almost don't know how bad it is. But then when you look back at how they describe things in the 1970s and just the data, you see how quickly things have gone downhill. Yeah, I mean, one, there's so many, you know, facts uh, across several thousand pages of the findings, you know, one that really stuck out to me is that each of the last four decades has been hottest, hotter than any any one that came before, dating back to like the mid-1800s. So it's a pretty clear curve we're on. Um, and, you know, if we're to believe these scientists, it's a curve that's going to continue. The world's going to get hotter, and, and that brings with it all these other, uh, you know, pretty bad uh, consequences if we don't do something to slow it down. And and at this point, you know, it seems that's the best we can do. We can slow it down. We can't halt this immediately, but we can certainly make the future not as bad as it as it may be otherwise. So political wise, what are politicians jumping on this? I mean, I know when Trump was in office, of course, there was everyone was acting like climate change does not exist. And most Republicans feel that same way. How are we seeing this going to be played out in, in current po- politics now, especially with the Biden administration? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Biden administration has obviously been the polar opposite of, of the Trump administration on this. It rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement, and it has said that 
um, you know, it wants to cut U.S. emissions in half by the end of this decade, by 2030. You know, whether whether we're going to be able to do that, whether the politics allow that is, is an open question. And sort of more globally, there's this moment, a uh, very important moment this fall in, in, the, in the U.K. is a, is a international climate summit, basically, where leaders from around the world are going to face a lot of pressure to show up with some, you know, pretty pretty big promises to do more in the year ahead and not just promises, but, you know, back that up with action. So I think that there's a big moment this fall when the world will kind of get a signal on whether how serious we are about addressing this. And, but obviously it's, it's more than just one meeting or one year. It, it has to be sort of an ongoing thing. Or else it's, co- it, we're in code red, but it's going to go to code black, I guess, or, or no code at all. I don't, I don't know what the code yeah. after red is. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't think I want to know. That was environmental reporter Brady Dennis from The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Next up with many calling for Cuomo to resign, who could replace him as New York governor? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. While Governor Andrew Cuomo has yet to resign after 11 sexual assault allegations, many are wondering who could replace him. Here to share who we should keep our eyes on is Bill Mahoney, a reporter at Politico in New York. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. So you did the research. You put together this list. How did you find the names or what should we be looking out for? Well, you know, at, at this point, I, people have been talking about this for you know basically six months in Albany. The governor's been under a cloud for quite some time. So this is not like this is coming out of left field and there are some signs about who might be running to replace him and whatnot. Um, at this point, you know, a lot of people are looking at some of the statewide officials who are currently in office. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who would take over for governor should he step down or be impeached in the next few weeks, as seems like it's going to very likely happen right now. Um, she would be the incumbent, and she would very likely be um, one of, if not the front runner, um, heading into 2022. Should she seek to win a full term in her own regards? Um, the other major name to keep an eye out for is Attorney General Tish James who released the report last week that detailed the allegations of sexual harassment against Governor Cuomo and corroborated 11 of these. Um, She's made a name for herself with issues like taking on former President Trump and the NRA that'll probably play pretty well in a primary, never mind the Cuomo investigation itself. Um, And those are the two names that have gotten the most attention so far, certainly. Yeah, I wonder, and I, maybe I'm being random here, but I always wonder, especially with midterms coming up, like, it feels like sooner, like, we'll blink and it'll be midterm time. I wonder how big of, like, a, a scandal kind of impacts midterm season. Does it even really have an impact? Um, Perhaps. Like, we're still a year away from the midterms right. themselves. Um. I I think one big thing to keep in mind is this is all playing out pretty long. There was talk back in February or March of the governor resigning, um, which would have left a full year. But at this point in New York, where we've got to start petitioning for to get on the ballot for office and for primaries next February. So by the time this all wraps up, that's not going to be too far off in the distance at all. And certainly we'll be entering the primary season and the election season with this all very fresh on voters' minds. Yeah, that's interesting. I love how you have uh, you have New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on this. Oh, my God. What? He, he's on there mostly because he's one of the only couple of people in the state who has not who has publicly expressed some sort of interest. I don't think anybody really thinks he would have much of a chance. He's 
his popularity is modest in New York City itself and in the rest of the state. He's kind of used as a villain by Republicans. Um, he's so unpopular. So I don't think anybody would expect him to win, but he will be out of office at the end of this year and probably looking for the ne- what to do in the next phase of his life. So it might not be too sunny if he tosses his name in, even if it's a long shot bid. Well, I think what's interesting is you also said members of Congress, which it seems like Congress always has more <laughs> to worry about than probably, you know, do it running in this race. Or maybe it kind of would align and benefit them in ways. Can you talk about who you think would like what members of Congress would win and why they could win? Um, the name who's been out there the most is Tom Swazi from Nassau County, um, Long Island. He's been exploring a run for a few months now, at least. Um, There's a lot of other candidates in New York who have given no indication whatsoever that they're planning to run and probably would not, but are big names. Like think of the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez type. Not not many people think she would have any interest in moving to Albany and serving as governor here and focusing on these local issues rather than the national issues that she's become famous for her role in advocating for. But I think the thing to keep in mind with people like her is this: we still don't really know. We're so unused to a post-Cuomo Albany that there's a lot of room for some surprises, maybe her, maybe somebody else to enter the race and suddenly throw everything for a loop and she could very well become the front runner if she decided to enter. What is this overall feeling in New York right now with all of this coming out? Um, in the Capitol, it's pretty much exhaustion at this point. Um, you know, we've known about these allegations since February, March, in most cases, a lot of people wanted to see the governor leave office back then. He stuck it out. Um, but this is all coming out and just dominating everything right now where he seems to be fighting this. He's losing pretty much every support he has. I don't know of anybody who doesn't get paid by him or is a part of his family who's still supporting him at this point. Um, and it's just become a major distraction. Well, we still have rising COVID numbers in much of the state and a gun violence problem. There's it's, the general sense is there's not many people at the helm who are focused on directing the statewide response to these issues with the governor being so distracted by this and probably not being governor for too much longer. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again. That was Bill Mahoney, a reporter at Politico New York. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Next up, what this guy did to fly while he had the coronavirus and how he almost got away with it. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This guy really wanted to take a flight, even if he had uh, COVID. And he was going to do anything to make it happen. This is how far people will go. And he almost got away with it. So this is what went down. An Indonesian man who had COVID boarded a domestic flight disguised as his wife. Used his wife. Covering his face, carrying fake IDs and negative PCR test results. (laughs) He couldn't wait, right? But he wasn't very smart because once he boarded the flight, he changed into his regular outfit. And then one of the flight attendants noticed and then called over the police who then gave him a test. It came back positive and now he's self-isolating at home. And there's an, an investigation underway. Well, how about that? I mean, this guy's an idiot. One, I feel like he sh- didn't even do his research. Like, he probably thought he had, like, the the best plan. Being like, you know, I've seen this in the movies. You know those movies <laughs> where you dress up in disguise? Maybe you watched White Chicks or something and was like, I could do this for my tickets in COVID. But then changing? Getting on the flight. Like no one's gonna notice. You should. You gotta. You gotta stay in the disguise the entire flight, and then you change once you've landed to your destination, where you go. But my thing is, I hope this guy gets charged with something because he literally got could have put in the whole plane in jeopardy because yep. he tested positive for COVID. It's just like people are out here doing weird things, selfish things, mm-hmm. off for no reason, for no reason. And also, in a place like Indonesia, I don't know if you know this, but they have, like, one of the worst coronavirus surges in Asia. 33,000 new cases, over 1,300 deaths in the last 24 hours. Yeah, and it's, I mean, maybe, I just want to know, did he know that he was positive? Um, Obviously he did, because why would he put on a a disguise? And and if you were his wife, how would you feel about... This guy, this husband of yours. That she's married to an idiot. <laughs> That's probably the only thing that she really. Do you think he even told her? Right? Like, maybe, I mean, obviously she was part of this. Yeah, maybe. Well, our, we don't know that. You know, when it comes to um, husband, wife, all those things, it's a little different out over there. You oh, know? Hopefully. It's probably abusive all around, it feels, if he took advantage. Who knows what happened? I'm not going to make any assumptions, but this is messed up. Don't Did be- you just like retract yourself in the middle of you saying something? I thought I felt bad for, you know, you claiming said, that oh. he, he's in an abusive relationship. She's in an abusive relationship. Say it with your chest, Sheer Who knows what's going on That's over how you there. feel. She feels like he's an abusive person. He is. He is. He's an idiot. He clearly makes wrong decisions. Well, let this be a lesson for everyone. One, don't use someone else's identity. Don't go on a flight with coronavirus and don't then, you know, uh, change your outfit while you're on the plane. At least know, know how to go rogue if you're going to do it. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media.
Next up, the one thing that might happen to shift the minds of those who are unvaccinated to get vaccinated. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. On the show today, of course, great music here on Channel Q, but we're going to be getting into how to ch- uh, changes to college applications will better support trans students. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, updates on baby, the rapper who made homophobic comments at the Rolling Loud Festival and wouldn't apologize. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some... He did. Uh, was that an apology? He, I, I didn't mean, think he, it was he a apologized, real... but that I'm not gonna get into my T report because it has something to do with his okay. apology. Let's get into that soon. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Dr. Mark Klein, a physician and chief of Children's Hospital in New Orleans, reflected on the last few weeks of responding to the pandemic at his hospital. Prevalence rate of uh, COVID positivity among children at our hospital rise from 1% to 7% and now to about 20% over the course of the last 30 days. And we are hospitalizing record numbers of children. Half of the children in our hospital today are under two years of age. And most of the others are between five and 10 years of age. So they're too young to be vaccinated just yet. According to Klein, there is half and half mix of unvaccinated and vaccinated parents bringing their children in for care. Klein said the best thing for adults to do to keep children safe is to get vaccinated. Meanwhile, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is currently only authorized for emergency use in the U.S., but its full approval by the FDA could happen within weeks. And the impact of that could alter the course of the pandemic in many ways first full approval of a COVID-19 vaccine could persuade more people to get vaccinated. More than 30% of the eligible population in the U.S. still hasn't gotten a vaccine. And finally, a leader within the Time's Up organization founded in the wake of the Me Too movement to fight gender-based discrimination in the workplace has resigned after it emerged that she aided New York Governor Andrew Cuomo after multiple women accused him of harassment. Roberta Kaplan is the leader who resigned after backlash over advising Cuomo. And that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's um, talk baby because let's okay. just say baby has backtracked. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was there. a good one, huh? Yep. That was really nice. Um, okay, so it's only been six days after taking to Instagram to apologize for his homophobic remarks that he made at Rolling Loud Music Festival. DeBaby has deleted his apology from his page. He deleted it. It's not there anymore. So he apologized. Well, his publicist apologized. <laughs> it was on his page. Now it's not on his page. It is off of his page. Social media users noticed Sunday that the lengthy face-saving statement posted on August 2nd was no longer anywhere to be found on the rapper's account. This comes after Miley Cyrus's offering to educate baby, writing on Instagram. Would love to talk and see how we can learn from each other and help be a part of making a more just and understanding future. I wonder... Did she wake up this morning and feel stupid? Because she should have. I think anyone who thought that this was a learning moment for baby should feel stupid. Because, one, y'all put yourself in, in, in business that really didn't have to deal with, you know, y'all are the communities that it really kind of affects. And then two, baby never cared. Honestly, I prefer that he took off the apology because show me that you don't care. Show me that you don't, you never meant it in the first place. I honestly prefer you being in my face 
telling me you hate me than be behind my back pretending like the performative stuff, you know? I, I of course, yeah. If he, if he doesn't mean it, he shouldn't post it. However, I, I, would lo- I would love not to normalize people acting like this. And I would rather us work towards... Uh, shifting minds and moving into a place where people get it. We have to be realistic, though. The world is not about to be this perfect utopia. No, totally. Everyone is going to, there's still going to be people it's baby who are going to be st- like Wait, this. Ryan. What? It's baby steps. <laughs> I'm turning off her mic. I just turned off her mic. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I do genuinely think that it is, um, it's not going to be this perfect utopia. And I think i rather people who are like this, you know, say it with their chest. Be be that whole thing. If he's like, just kidding, I didn't actually mean it, just joking, um, that's that. But that's your, <laughs> that's your tea report, your pop culture stories trending right now. Next up, how Andrew Cuomo is gaslighting employees and what to do if you're being gaslit by your boss. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now that this explosive investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed at least 11 female employees and created a hostile work environment for women, he continues to justify his actions, which is bringing up the idea of gaslighting and how he's gaslighting his employees and those who have stepped forward. So I think he even did it in his choice of, uh, I think, who's ever representing him. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, a, it's a woman that he chose. And I feel Ooh. like anytime someone does that who has these type of claims on them, girl, that's the proof in the pudding. You're shooting yourself in the foot at that point. There's a lot of the ways he's doing that right now. Uh, And joining us is Mary Abajay right now, a workplace expert, leadership consultant, author of Managing Up, How to Succeed with Any Type of Boss. Thanks for being here. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Ryan and Shira. It's a delight to be on your program. Yes. Yes, it is. Thank you. Well, how do you know if you're being gaslit by your boss at work? Uh, you know, gaslighting is a tough one because it's a very nefarious kind of insidious behavior. Because what the gaslighter does, the gaslighter, like, questions your sense of reality. So they'll say things like, I never said that. I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. You're making that up. You must be insane. So it really can be kind of hard to know for sure unless you start documenting. Because you'll start to question whether or not you are insane because this person, and by the way, most gaslighters have a bit of narcissism in them. So they're so convincing in their style that it can be really hard. But your gut knows it. You know it deep down. So you have to listen to your gut as well. Well, I think it's really important because gaslighting has really become a buzzword where I think people throw that word out without really ever reading a dictionary. And (laughs) um, I would love for you to break down what that word means, especially in terms of us kind of connecting it to Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, so and so again, so you're absolutely right. Oftentimes, your boss might just be a jerk or they might just be an a-hole or just might be a bully. It doesn't necessarily mean they're gaslighters. I'm not quite sure whether or not uh, Cuomo is a complete full-on gaslighter. I think he needs to keep it in his pants a bit more. Uh, but what a gaslighter really is going to do is they are going to just discount what you say is not being true. So the true gaslighter is the person that does make you question your reality. Uh, They might do this in a very calm manner. They may not scream and shout, but they are definitely going to lie, uh, demean, and undermine you by really challenging your version of the truth. That is gaslighting. And they do that to psychologically manipulate you. 
So what do you do if you have one of those, not a Cuomo at work, that's very extreme, uh, unfortunately, but even someone that wasn't at, at that level where obviously they're sexually assaulting someone or harassing yeah. you. Yeah. So if you have a gaslighter boss, there's a couple things you want to do. First of all, uh, you're going to want to start documenting all of your interactions, like keep ho- copies of your email emails, um, follow up with them. When you have a verbal conversation, make sure you recap that into an email, because again, the gaslighters MO is to say, I never said that you didn't do that. You also want to be careful that you don't have too many one-on-one interactions where they can, uh, you know, distort the truth. So make sure you do other people to the best that you can make sure that they you have other people as, you know, quote unquote witnesses when you're uh, working with gaslighters. The other thing that I want you to do with the gaslighter is uh, uh, you want to also just limit your interaction with that person. And that goes for any toxic boss. Fly under that radar. You know, the more that that gaslighter has access to you, the more they can damage you psychologically. You have to have a support network. So you're going to want to lean on colleagues to help keep you sane, people who support you and encourage you, right? Uh, uh, People who can say, yeah, no, you are right. That is what's happening. And finally, you want to be really careful about whether or not you can turn to anybody because this is the dirty little secret in most organizations is that HR is not there to protect you. They're there to protect the company or the organization. And a lot of times these gaslighters are either at the top of the organization or they've situated themselves so they're so politically protected that there's not a lot you can do by going to HR. Well, that's what I was going to bring, and I'm so happy that you did because I, I often think that culturally, and especially office culture, there can be a culture of gaslighting that's not just from the boss, but it can be from colleagues, it can be from anyone in from the higher ups to in between as well. So it's like if you are seeing that and dealing with that, how do you navigate that space? Do you just quit? I mean, people can't just oh, up yeah. and quit. <laughs> you nailed it, Ryan. If you are working in a culture that not only endorses it, but encourages it or even turns the other eye, you're never going to really, sur- you're, you can survive it, but you're never going to thrive. And so I, you know, I know people hate it when I say this, but sometimes your best option is to quit. Why would you put yourself through that? By the way, when you work in toxic cultures or for toxic bosses, this will damage your health physically, emotionally, and psychologically. So you have to really decide what's more important, my health or finding a place where I can be valued, respected, and basically treated like a human being. So, you know, I'm always like, there are times to grit people and there are times to quit. It also ruins your confidence a lot of times, which oh. makes you not good at, good at your current job or not as good as you could be. And then that impacts your ability to look ahead even at the next opportunity because you've been so impacted by be put, being put down and your voice not being heard for so long. Shira, you are so right. So the mental health professionals compare working for a toxic boss uh, to post-traumatic stress syndrome, to battered spouse syndrome, uh, and to the Stockholm syndrome. And it can take, you're ready for this, it can take up to 24 months, two full years, to completely recover psychologically and emotionally from the damage done by a toxic boss or a gaslighter. You nailed it, Shira. That's exactly right. People don't, because it happens so slowly to you, people don't really realize how damaging it is to their psyche and their health. And so they really do have to get out because they will carry that with them to the next job. 
And by the way, they're bringing that toxicity home to the people that love them. I get more cards and letters, and of course, I mean tweets and emails, uh, from people whose significant others are dealing with a toxic work situation, and they won't leave. And it's just creating toxicity everywhere. you got to get out. you got to save yourself. You know, i got to mention that, you know, this show is coming up on its third year, and you said two and a half years it takes to get out of toxic relationships. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, you never know. I'm just now this is me publicly speaking out saying Sheer has been gaslighting me in my entire life. <laughs> well, guess what? My last job actually did this. And no, so I did. feel like it that means awful. I'm still like yeah. recovering. And even before that, I think I have every job has been. Oh, toxic. God. I'm so sorry, babes. Time to yeah, get out of it. Yeah, what? You, it takes forever. And a lot of people stay, like, people stay for a lot of reasons in, in, in a toxic situation. One reason that they stay is because off, uh, they might have what's called a high meaning job, which is they love their job or it's an important job like working for the governor you know or, or they, they need money it's <laughs> exactly. a survival mentality yes. too but like imagine city is real i know y'all. yeah but imagine like if yeah. you, you could get more by creating opportunity with the, a better person or a company that's exactly right anyway it's, it's have the economic it's an economic theory that you've got to put yourself to its next best use, right? You've got to get rid of the sun cost and look for the opportunity cost. That's and really, true. Because you only you only live once. You know YOLO people. So why are you going to spend your working life working for some jerk who is going to make your life miserable? Mary, I feel like you should be on Good Morning America instead of our show, but we appreciate <laughs> you for stopping by. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And, and best of luck, and I love the show. You're Thank so you. good. Yes, that was Mary Abajay. Uh, check out her book, Managing Up, How to Succeed with Any Type of Boss. Next up, this change to college applications is looking to support trans students. We'll tell you what it is next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Common College application is going through some changes to better support trans students. Here to share more is Jenny Beeman, a transgender educator and author and the director or uh, they have been the director of the UMass Amherst Stonewall Center and also co-editor of the new Sage Encyclopedia of Trans Studies. So much great stuff. Jenny, uh, Jenny, thanks for being here. Glad to. Thanks so, for having me. Yes, so so much great changes are happening. Tell us some more about the application specifically. Sure. So the common application, which is used by about 900 or so colleges, so pretty big, uh, 
this year has added a question to give students the ability to indicate their gender identity, as well as questions to give students the ability to indicate the pronouns that they use for themselves and the name, first name that they go by. Okay, so when when you're looking at this, especially from the, the jump, I guess, are we starting to see these changes happen immediately when it comes to these applications? And does that kind of translate to other like trans policies that would really be helpful on, on campus? Yeah, so this, this change has been a long time coming. I've been advocating for the Common App to make this change for about a decade now as a way for institutions to have more knowledge about their students, their trans students particularly. It's a step that obviously college could take on their own to get this information, but unfortunately many colleges haven't. And and unless you know really who your trans students are, it's hard to be able to know, am I doing a good job in in recruiting and retaining trans students, right, and providing for their needs? And what have you discovered through your own research? That colleges, for the most part, do not do enough to support trans students and their needs, that a lot of colleges, even though there's been a lot of work done in the last decade or so to make colleges more inclusive and welcoming trans students, that a lot of colleges still largely fail their trans students by not providing a safe environment where they have a place where they can uh, sleep, you know, a a residence hall room they feel safe in, having uh, gender-inclusive or or non-gendered restrooms so they have a place they can pee in peace. So they even basic needs are not being met by a lot of colleges. And so moving into the to the future, what how quickly do you think these things will happen? Do you see uh, you know colleges across the country becoming more inclusive in ways that are impactful and not just like the bare minimum? I hope so. That was part of the point of of my article was to be encouraging colleges to take this information. Now you have a better sense of at least the students who are out. And, of course, there are plenty of students who are not out for various reasons. But you have uh, an indication of the number of trans students you have and what, what their identities are and can better provide for them knowing that who these students are and making sure that they're respected. One of the biggest issues on college campuses today is that a lot of trans students get misgendered you know, being called by a name that's not a name that they use for themselves, having the wrong pronouns used for them. Colleges now can can help avoid that for a lot of students by having this information and using this information about the names and pronouns that students use for themselves to create a more welcoming and inclusive environment. So I'm hopeful that in the next few years with colleges now having this information about their students, that they'll start using it to better support those students. And what about training? And we've talked about this before, but training of the educators, because the college could be maybe inclusive or trying to be, but ultimately, if the educators don't enforce that, it doesn't really matter. Yes, absolutely. That We need to do a lot more training of our faculty and staff so that they know how to be respectful. Some of it's pretty obvious. Other things may, may not be so obvious. So it's, it's important that colleges provide education. Hey, that's what kind of they're there for is to educate to, so that faculty and staff can, can better support trans students and, and LGBT students and really all students in, in general. Uh, a, a lot of this training is, 
is so needed because you know you know people make mistakes they don't realize that that they're making because they haven't been taught better right and we make a lot of assumptions we make assumptions about people's genders by looking at them and then start using a, a given set of pronouns based upon the assumption we're making we need to break that that assumption and not be calling people a certain set of pronouns based upon the assumptions you're making. Definitely. Well, thank you for your work and for being here. That was Jenny Beeman, a transgender educator and author. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Next up by this reporter is getting backlash for her comments on Obama's 60th B-Day bash that happened over the weekend. What she had to share next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. New York Times reporter was on CNN talking about Obama's big 60th birthday bash that happened over the weekend in Martha's Vineyard. And here is what she had to say. And a lot of people weren't happy about it. Uh, Other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. and, And this is just about optics. It's not about safety. A sophisticated vaccinated crowd is what people called out saying this, uh, you know, what wasn't a good thing to say and that it it kind of separates the vaccinated from the unvaccinated or not even just that. It's just <sighs> what like that just vaccinated people are sophisticated. What Let about the rest of us? This. Conservative white people, and lucky just white people in general, want to feel oppressed so bad that they're going to hop onto this realm for no reason. It's so stupid oh to God. me. It's like one oh of those things God, where this lady, if you actually re- went to her tweet because she had to like now come out with the whole statement saying, this is what the question was, and the answer was me summarizing the views of people she spoke with. And so those, with the sophisticated crowd, that was from people that were quoted in the story. It's not like she came up with this elitist word and said, oh my God, you know, I think it was so sophisticated because every celebrity and their third grandmother was there. Like, stop this whole need of wanting to be oppressed and calling out other people when at the end of the day, you're still not going to get vaccinated. You're still going to be like, you know, Push, putting this the Delta variant in, in a, you're politicizing this whole entire situation instead of doing what's right, and that's just getting vaccinated. Yeah, the Obamas maybe shouldn't have had that party, but everyone was vaccinated. So for me, it just feels like it's all like false, um, like this fake kind of wave of wanting to like call out and be like, well, what about the liberals doing this? Where's our, where's the uh, the upsetness about that? And people were, people called him out exactly. and then he decreased his party. Exactly. And everyone was vaccinated. Apparently, every, everyone had to be vaccinated. There was tests being and done. Also- Negative on yeah, yeah, and so like it was all of these things. It wasn't like Lollapalooza. Being, right. Exactly. Or like a Trump rally. And so for me, it's just like, pick a side. What do you want to do? Because you're not calling out everybody else and on the Republican side or even, I mean, Fox News is even getting their stuff together. It's just like, what what is happening in this world at this point where we're politicizing and wanting to play this weird oppression Olympics because guess what? Daddy didn't give y'all what y'all wanted. I don't know. And daddy being Trump here. If if this is the worst it gets, like t- saying a sophisticated vaccinated crowd, if that's bad, like that's insulting, then and let's be honest, they were sophisticated. I mean, <laughs> the one person I, I I'm I Beyonce mean, was there. Beyonce, it was a sophisticated Beyonce, crowd. Jay Z, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Chrissy Teigen. Yes, she is sophisticated. Yes, because she only by proximity to John Legend. John Legend is sophisticated. He's an egot. 
I guess it Op- depends uh, on your Oprah? definition of sophisticated. Oprah pro- was Oprah there? I don't even know if she was. I don't out. think but Oprah was there because she was invited. There was a hilarious clip over the past weekend of Oprah and Gail doing a Q and A, and um, Oprah doubled down on the fact that even if you are vaccinated, she's making people quarantine in the guest house five days. Nope. Even if you're vaccinated, she's like, if you were on a plane and you were flying commercial, if you're flying pl- private, then that's another thing. But if you're flying commercial, then you have to vaccinate. <laughs> Today. And she's like, this isn't Dr. Fauci's house. This is my house, and I'm going to do my rules. And I love that. We love to see it. That's the best quarantine you could probably get at Oprah's house. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'll take that. Just, like, like stop the fake, like, oppression. Because it's not, you're not. Get over it. And get vaccinated. It's not attractive. Well, let us know what you think, LGT Show. Is this that wrong of that reporter to say? We'd love to hear from you. But next up, why many are calling out Snickers in this commercial as controversial and homophobic. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour of Let's Go There, news of a popular gay club being accused of drugging a woman. That's in 15 minutes. And The Rock is now joining the bathing controversy. <laughs> That's at the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. Representative AOC shared her take on Fox News' coverage of her with Dana Bash on CNN. Do you ever watch Fox News? Do you watch what they say about you? Um, not a ton. Every once in a while, I do. And I think that it's really fascinating. I actually find it to be really, really fascinating because it reveals a lot about the subconscious of folks that are crafting these narratives. And they very often are speaking to these very subconscious narratives about women or about people of color or about Latinos or Latinas um, or about working class people. You know, these caricatures that are developed are not really personal. They are societal. Well, that was her sharing her thoughts on being AOC. It's the first episode of the new series, Being dot 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 that airs Mondays uh, Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. AOC also talked about being barricaded inside her office during the Capitol insurrection on January 6th. She not only feared that mob would kill her, but that she would be raped if the rioters found her. She said, I didn't think that I was just going to be killed. I thought other things were going to happen to me as well, which is really horrific and sad. Now, Snickers Spain is in some hot water after running a controversial ad campaign that many are calling homophobic. The 20-second clip, which has been officially pulled from airing, starts off with this long-haired, skinny, but effeminate man played by a Spanish blogger and media personality hanging out at a beachside restaurant with a friend and ordering a, quote, sexy orange juice with vitamins A, B, and C from the waiter. After they're confused, the waiter gives this character a Snickers ice cream bar, and after one bite, he magically transforms into a broader, short-haired, more masculine-presenting man with a deeper voice. Spanish Snickers Instagram account posted an official statement about this mistake saying, the Snickers brand, we take the rights of equality and inclusion very seriously and we believe that anyone has the right to show themselves as they are. From Snickers, we want to apologize for the misunderstanding that our new advertising campaign may have caused. At no time has it been intended to stigmatize or offend any person or group. Well, it did. But uh, that was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. I don't know if I thought we would be still talking about celebrities bathing. 
I feel like it's been forever at this point. We're probably going to keep talking about it for the next four, five, six, seven months. This is like the, <sighs> you know, the uh, black dress, yellow dress, blue. It's like, do you see it? Is it this color or this color? It's the nonstop meme controversy. It's not anything like that, actually. <laughs> I feel like this is the one viral thing of like, what do celebrities think about it? It's not anything like it's that. 2021. But uh, it's time for the tea report. Those pop culture stories. Do you believe in bathing or not? Right now, um, The Rock, um, he let everybody know that guess what? He takes baths. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Thank you so much. He actually detailed his routine. He said, Nope, I'm the opposite of not washing themselves, celebs. He said he showers cold when he rolls out of bed to get his day rolling. He then showers warm after his workout, before work. And then he showers hot after he gets home from work. Face wash, body wash, exfoliates. And then he says, I sing off key in the shower. So he takes about what it seems like three showers a day, which kind of makes sense for me because he's constantly working out. And so he's probably constantly being sweaty. And there's actually a lot of... Cold showers actually actually help you a lot. Um, and so I think with a lot of works he does, he's basically paid to be a muscle man. Um, it kind of makes sense. But one actor, comedian online, some fan just tweeted saying, like, this is actually weirder than not showering. The fact that he decides to shower three times. He actually responded to those tweets and saying, nothing weird about this, my friend. I work out twice a day and then I go to work for 12 plus hours. I shower three times. Easy to understand. That's true. Which it does. I mean, really, it does. I don't. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people actually have been like freaking out over the fact that he showers three times. I normally take two showers a day. I think it makes sense the way he's explained it. But yeah, it makes sense uh, in the morning if you work out, wake up, work out, shower. You have a long work day where you, you're you very physical. You shower again before you go to bed. I'm just happy that I get to fantasize about him being in the shower three times. Can you imagine? Hopefully it's it's worth it. When you scan all the way down. Anyway, uh, that's your tea report. Your pop culture story is trending right now. Next up, a woman nope. says. You don't agree with me? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about like that. Like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson completely well, you, naked. You know what they say. You know, I feel like. Sometimes the muscly men don't be like, you know. That's what I'm saying. You know? I wasn't going to go there, but. I'm just saying, girl. I hope so. I know uh, the woman that's married to him. Oh, girl. She name him. drops it every time we bring <laughs> <her>. it on. <laughs> But you hope. He has a great personality. He has everything going for him. He's rich. That's all that matters. I'm ho- he also has a good personality. She'll find it somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that it's the whole package. <laughs> What's coming up? So, someone can dream. Uh, well, a woman says she was drugged at a popular gay bar, and now others are sharing similar experiences across social media. More on that story next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So a woman on Instagram recently shared her experience alleging that she got drugged at the Abbey, which is a very popular gay bar in Los Angeles. We've had the founder of the Abbey on. We've had events ourselves here at Channel Q at the Abbey. And so this obviously created a lot of noise in the community. And uh, a lot of people started coming out about their own experiences. And we want to explain what happened and then how everyone reacted to this so basically she said that she was severely drugged roofied by bartender the abbey she says within 15 minutes of arriving at the bar and drinking only half of her drink she collapsed and vomited um and 
and we're going to abridge this because there's a lot that is happening on the Instagram here. She says she's happy to be alive, but if um, if you understand, this would never happen to me, not a huge drinker. And her post got an outpouring of support, hundreds of followers thanking her for speaking up. Yeah, because that also triggered everyone else's um you know, ability to say their own stories that they've actually had at this same establishment of either being sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, or drugged and all of these things. A lot of people came out with their own statements, which is really, um, one, I hope she felt kind of seen and heard, but then it also it reveals the dark side to a nightclub industry, especially in queer spaces that we all really have to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And so there's that there's that conversation that's definitely part of this. And then a lot of people feel like the Abby's response to this could have been better. On Instagram, they issued a response that seemed very, I mean, I read this and I said, okay, this makes sense. We, we can't read it all. But they said they're aware of the current allegations. They take it seriously. And that they know it's an ongoing issue in nightlife. We do everything in our power to keep our community safe. We are alerted through the social media post of this allegation. We immediately contacted the woman and we asked her to file a police report. We also asked her questions so we can properly identify her and start our own internal investigation. So that is all important, right? And I would say uh, part of a, a good apology or at least something, a statement. I didn't really apologize. It's more well, of a Well, that was the the statement on the Instagram yes. was a shorter statement to what they actually posted on Facebook, which is more detailed. There's screenshots between this person and whoever is running the Abby account that are shown, which is where I think the Abby really screwed up mm-hmm. um, in the sense of, one, kind of trying to protect themselves, then kind of putting this girl and throwing her under the bus while we're kind of, we all know her name and all these things, but there's just a, a piece of vulnerability. There's a piece of understanding and empathy that needs well, to sensitivity be ha- to the yeah, issue sensitivity that and- needs to be taken. Yeah. And I think there's been some ways of in their statement on Facebook that I thought was a big yikes. I don't think a lot of people should be navigating like this, especially if you are a queer space where you're seeing a lot of people coming out about similar situations, if not the exact same situation as this. I think we have to talk about the accountability all, here. All they ha- had to say in this account, and it's easier said than done. Right? I hate when you do that, because well, who cares what they had to say? They didn't say it. Well, yeah, they should have said, we don't tolerate this behavior, and we're doing our own investigation. We're following, we're working with the police, right? right? That's all Which they Which I did say. say. I mean, they said but that. But then the thing where they got, besides revealing internal chats that they had with her right, right. off the bat, also saying that they deal with a lot of defamation on their end, which... We know it probably happens. Of course. But like, in, I yeah. just think this wasn't the time to necessarily say, oh, we're, but if you, if you threaten us or say that we did something that we didn't, we're going to threat, we're going to now sue you. Yeah. That was just like timing there, wise. It wasn't that's actually, necessarily I'm happy the right you, time. you picked that out because they're in their statement on Facebook and anybody who wants to go check it out can. Um, they did say starting today, we will begin filing our own defamation um, lawsuits against people who make online claims that are contradicted by our security footage and investigations by law enforcement. And I think that's a little intense. I mean, especially ending a statement kind of in that way, um, because I know they have to kind of the Abbey has been around for a very long time. And they have done some incredible things for the community. We can't we can't negate that, yeah, right? That, yeah. But then I think we also have to be very. Um, it, it's important to also add to the levels of 
are intercommunity and even when people are coming into our community because this woman is still a cis hat white woman who is in this in, in spaces and I've seen a lot of conversations of people being like well maybe the straight women shouldn't be in our spaces that's not it because not queer folks are getting also. yeah queer folks are getting drugged too and those stories were revealed and so we have to figure out ways of you know if the Abbey is going to really continue to label themselves as a, a safe inclusive space that means you have to protect everyone, not just worry in the heat of the moment, protecting yourself. You got to be able to navigate these situations and protect everyone involved. Because now if this happens again and you're handling these situations like you're doing it, it's not giving anyone the confidence that you're going to show up for them. Yeah. Well, the fear is that will, will I be trusted? Right. Yeah. And what if something that's did why happen people don't victims don't speak don't out. out. That's I mean, that's the main thing that we see when it comes to statistics. Victims do not speak out because they are automatically feeling like they will not be believed. And uh-huh. that is not OK. I, I think there was a way for them to respond to this without being we understand that they're protecting themselves. Probably. Of we understand course, they're, they're, probably, they're a business. But did you in this moment need to say, but guess what? Anyone else come out and you? You will be F. Like, we are ready to come at you, right? I know like, there's so much law and things happening, legalities um, yeah, and, and everything. We would love to try to get a representative from, you know, the Abbey on the show one day to talk about this soon. If we can, we'll reach out. And what they'll be doing also yeah. moving forward, because I'm sure this will change how they look at their processes and the space also. Yeah, and I think we, you know, we... We've done so much. Channel Q had coming out day, our, our celebration when we had our launch of our station. We love them as family, but as family, we also hold each other accountable in moments and have the necessary conversations that need to be had. And that's how change happens. And that's how the change that needs to happen happens. Well, let us know what you think at LGT shows where we're at on social media. Uh, next up, we're swi- switching gears here as we pivoting do. a little bit. Pivoting. <laughs> what is a nesting partner and how to make sure you're using the term correctly? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The term nesting partner isn't necessarily new, but it's something that is uh, starting to be used again. But it can also be uh, misused as a term because a lot of people associated with the poly relationships. But here to break it all down is Kathy Labriola, a California-based counselor specializing in non-traditional relationships, author of the Jealousy Workbook, Exercises and Insights for Managing Opening Open Relationships. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so first, define what a nesting partner is. Well, nesting partners usually defined simply as a partner, a romantic and love partner that you live with. Uh, however, uh, it's usually much more than just living with someone. It usually involves being life partners, intending to spend your life together, and being uh, sharing a home, sharing often sharing children, uh, having shared finances, and uh, making plans for your future together. Uh, And it usually means prioritizing that person over any other relationship. So why do people misconstrue it as a poly relationship? I didn't understand what you said. Uh, uh, Why do people think it's uh, more connected to uh, poly relationships? Uh, Because people who are in monogamous relationships just say, my partner or my spouse or my wife or my husband uh, because they only have one partner. So nesting partner has come to be used by poly people to clarify that they have more than one partner and that at least one partner is living with them. 
there's no reason for monogamous couples to use the term nesting partner. Uh, okay, got it. Because I thought, I was like, oh yeah, I do that with my boyfriend. I, he's a nesting partner. But, okay, got it. It means you have one that, you're the ne- that you nest with, you live with. And then others, okay, got it. Just making sure. <laughs> That's really interesting. So what's what's some of the, ben- I mean, is there benefits of having someone ne- like nesting? Yeah, you got, a, you got a stable foundation. And then why do you want? Why do you want to be in a? If you have that, which is my thought, which you know we can have a co- bigger conversation about polyamory. But if you have this nesting partner, it would assume that you kind of have what you are looking for. So why have multiple other partners? Are like what is that? You know, that's just my first thought. Well, for most people, the goal of being in a polyamorous relationship is having the best of both worlds, having the stability and security and uh, longevity of a monogamous relationship while also having the opportunity to be essentially single and have other relationships outside of that relationship. So you're trying to have the best of both worlds, of the best of being single and the best of being married, uh, but you're not necessarily having both of those things in one relationship. And what advice do you give to couples who want to navigate this? Uh, I certainly suggest that they strengthen their relationship first to make sure that you're, you have solved as much as possible any problems or incompatibilities you already have. Uh, oftentimes people are uh, seeking polyamory for the wrong reasons. They're seeking out another relationship or uh, to have more than one relationship because they're unhappy in their own relationship, and that's a big mistake. That's going to be uh, an abject failure. Uh, You're going to destroy both relationships. So if you're incompatible with your partner and you're unhappy together, then you probably should break up. Uh, (laughs) Becoming polyamorous is not going to solve that. But if you have a strong, healthy, happy relationship and you're able to strengthen that relationship as much as possible, then your relationship is likely to be able to survive and thrive uh, despite the stresses and challenges that are necessarily going to come up in, a, in trying to navigate a poly relationship. So as an expert and someone who's uh, wrote, I mean, a book on this, does that come from personal experience? Like, do you have your own nesting partner? Uh, I've been in a polyamorous relationship for nearly 50 years, and uh, I'm not really wanting to talk about my personal That's life. cool. I'm I just want to know. I like was, to talk about my know. professional of work. Of course. No, of course. You know, the reason why I ask is because I always find it very interesting when counselors in these specific spaces and these specific topics... If it comes from personal experience or does it, is it something that wants, you know, they want to help everyone else navigate the world in, in a better way. So I always like to know someone's personal experience, but totally respect your boundaries. Uh-huh. Well, I think most counselors who have uh, expertise in polyamory, it usually is both personal and professional mm-hmm. that they've worked with a lot of people with those issues in their counseling practice, but they most of them also have the uh, hard one kind of uh, in the trenches personal experience as well or they otherwise they probably wouldn't know what they were talking about yeah I love that well if anyone wants support on this and you've already given such great advice in the short time mm-hmm. check out the jealousy workbook exercises and insights for managing open relationships that was Kathy Labriola a California based counselor thanks for being here thank you uh, I'd like to mention that I have uh, another book called okay. love in abundance and a third book called The Polyamory Breakup Book, which talks a lot about how to prevent breakups and 
explains a lot of the reasons why people do break up. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Thank you for plugging that. Thank we appreciate you for it. being here. I thought it might be useful to your listeners. Yes, you are nonstop. Who knows? <laughs> well, we appreciate it. And we hope to have you back as we continue to navigate these conversations. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. Coming up, uh, why Italians are burning their vaccine passports. And does it actually make sense? This next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In Italy, citizens are burning their vaccine passports to protest the government's authoritarian health mandates. Protesters have erupted in 12 cities as people chant slogans such as born free and will die free. There was a viral video clip of folks burning their passports and it brings up the question is this really what it means to be in this together burning your passports for those who are unvaccinated i mean i think obviously folks got the vaccine because they wanted to they uh, assume that it works it helps them so they don't die and protects themselves and others but uh now they're saying well i'll get the vaccine i want to choose it but you tell me now i need a pass to get inside at restaurants i need a have this vaccine passport. Well, now that's too much to ask for. I said this earlier, that people just want to be oppressed for no reason. That's it. That's really it. Point blank period. That's all I have to say, you know? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that I saw a lot of people, different people post this um, of many different backgrounds, not just white folks that posted this video saying like, this is the way to handle it. This is the way that we can be all in, in this together. Like this is, you, you, you just, this is unity. All lives mattered me in that moment. Um, no, I'm just saying that because I, I, I don't know I thought, why you have to make that well, statement. Yes, because we typically, know, tepi- yes, we know that there's a lot of anti-vaxxers of different skin backgrounds yes. everywhere, but the majority in the spotlight that is affecting everything and the systems that are in hand is what? The majority, oh, POC and black communities and people, yes. Exactly, and it's mostly white people who's living in their privilege because they don't want to wear a mask or they don't want to have to, you know, have the vaccine. I mean, I've seen people say this, the that being vaccinated and unvaccinated is creating the new segregation wars. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it's well, not that's the same inappropriate. Thing, but it's the same thing. And so, this idea that you're of many different backgrounds is like, what for what? Why? Why even? Oh, that? I just I guess I said that because when I do say things, uh, then, you're, then you're like, oh yeah, you're white friends. And I was like, actually, it was it was not just white friends that posted it, but that but that's also mean... still doesn't mean like their proximity to certain groups and of situations. Of course, totally. Like that. So, what's the point of saying that? Uh, I uh, I was I don't know. I just was mentioning that. <laughs> That I just, I actually discovered this on someone that when I looked at it, I even expected when I looked at it being like, oh, this is probably, no offense to me, but one of my white friends. <laughs> but then when I saw it, it was someone that didn't like, align no as a, uh, isn't a white person. I was like, like I got oh, one. I got someone else. I was surprised. <laughs> Sorry for the cliche, but this is this is our kind of the things that you go that yes, you, that goes through in I your mind. It, I get it. I get it. So that was my my, my the, uh, the process of how I think. Uh, but that said, I think it, it did bring up. Uh, but this person is in the wellness space, which has been a very problematic space. And that's mostly what. Uh, I would say they're white people, but there are many different people that align in that space. And I think that space specifically has been problematic. But the wellness space is rooted. I mean. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole anyway. other thing. One thing anyway. at a time. In the end, I I agree. Well, I agree with what you said. I think that a lot of people are looking for things to feel 
uh, that people of all kind. <laughs> But specifically people who have not been oppressed. They're looking for reasons to feel like uh, they have their their rights being taken away. Right. And I, I don't I don't I agree. I don't think that's right. And <laughs> if this if all we need to do is show our passports and try to decrease listen, we work together to decrease the numbers here and we won't have to do all this stuff. She is texting her publicist right now to write the next apology statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. You're my, you're my publicist. I mean, I'll just send pub- it to you. No, no, I'm not going to take all that labor. You're not paying me. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> Let us know what you think of all of this. Would you be uh, burning your vaccine passport? I'm, I'm, I'm burning it. You're going to regret that later. Because I don't need it because I, I got a mobile one. Oh, there you go. And then I, the actually, end I end lost that. my paper one. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Okay, we got the final round of Olympic Yes Queen. I said the Olympics are over. Well, this is the last Yes Queen we're doing around the Olympics, at least, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we got finally the results. LGBTQ athletes won more medals at the Olympics than nearly 200 other nations. Well, because there was it was the most queer LGBTQ Olympics. Yes, Team LGBTQ. Uh, I guess the Olympic Games have been called. <laughs> more than um, 190 of the 206 Olympic squads, 205 from different countries or independently participating territories, one team made of refugee athletes. I mean, they had so so much LGBTQ representation. I'm not going to go through the numbers because numbers can get boring, but let's just say that the queer folks won the Olympics. And Which I love amazing. to see and I love to hear. Congrats to everyone who participated. And we... Did she end up going to Olympics, the wrestler that we had on? Was she a wrestler? I don't remember her name. I forgot her name. We did we, have a wrestler on. Yeah, we had her on the show, and she was traveling. I think she was going to the Olympics the next, um, this year. Uh, we got to check that. on her. She we, did do good. She ended up wrestling. winning for going to the Olympics? Not winning. Producer Vanessa saying something. We need to have a fact check on, and we'll get back to you on Well, all right. <laughs> but congratulations to everyone. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the next Olympics as well. So that's all I can say. I'm sure we'll see much more it's every representation. Four years, right? Well, then there's the Winter Olympics. Oh, that's yes, 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 yes. So, congrats to everyone in the community who competed, represented their countries, and of course, win medals as well. That's our yes queen of the day. Yes, queen. And that does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, weekdays here on Channel Q, two to six p.m. Pacific, five to nine p.m. Eastern, live. On the show tomorrow, uh, prominent LGBTQ leaders are facing increased scrutiny after the Cuomo report. Should they and should they be stepping down from some of their companies because some of them are being asked to resign? Plus, is bad credit affecting your car insurance? How fair is this and what can be done about it? I think bad credit affected my entire life. I mean, not just car insurance. (laughs) Come on. That's on tomorrow's show. Plus, if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just catch up on our podcast on the Odyssey app. Search Let's Go There. It's that easy. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering finding pride in life, which is basically living with meaning. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.